Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, that guy probably killed the Lins. You know, no, I wasn't doing yeah. that. This was before I, true crime uh, podcasts and everyone yeah, had yeah, a theory yeah. about them. I, wasn't well, I would go in there and pick up the paper and tell that guy, say, can you believe this Lin story? <laughs> Nine and a half, they reckon. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a killer, I'd be getting rid of those boxes. <laughs> you know, they, you know they, say, they, they say it was the uncle. Can you believe that? <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board Podcast, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes and coming of age tales. Oh boy, we've got a great guest today. We've got comedian, writer and recent founder of Joke Keeper. We've got Dan Illich here. How are you, mate? Uh, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. No worries. And you uh, came up around Epping, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Epping was the train station of choice. It was the place where I left to catch the bus to go to my Macquarie University. Uh, it was a, a very, it was like a, a central hub of, of my youth. Yeah. yeah. Tracks nightclub. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Some good times. Oh, good times. Tracks Let's nightclub. get into it. Eh? I should, yeah, also say, Dan, that I also lived in Epping around oh, the right. late okay. so, two, that's from about 2008 to 2011. So all right. So slightly, slightly after to my time yeah. <laughs> in Epping, but uh, yeah. But don't yeah. worry, I, I, years, though. Yeah, I took care of Tracks Nightclub for you after you left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were the two big nightclubs in the area were Tracks Nightclub and Patrick's Nightclub at Pennant Hills, um, ah. at Pennant Hills Station. <laughs> Not and as enticing name, Tracks <laughs> no, no, Patrick's. <laughs> Patrick's, no, but, um, but you know, this is not going to be woke. This is not going to be fun. Uh, but as a young man, we used to call it Fat Chicks Nightclub. Oh, <laughs> classic. Well, Patrick's Perfect. was legendary at my school in the hills because it was rumored to be like the one place in the like surrounding area to let underage girls in. <laughs> it was always the girls. Like guys would come with them, and they well, would be they'd be looking for the nearest bus to Thornley Maccas because they would not be getting in. Jamie, what if I told you that's a lie? My oh. brother, my brother used to get into Patrick's nightclub when he was sixteen, seventeen. Oh, in fact, one time he did it when he was in year ten. He snuck out the window hopped in his friend's car they drove to Patrick's nightclub and my mum got up at 1am in her 90 and Ugg boots <laughs> and went up to Patrick's nightclub to get him out of the club and they wouldn't they wouldn't let her in because she wasn't dressed like she wasn't <laughs> dressed appropriately she, no, no, she, no, she, she said well my son's underage and he's in there what do you want what do you want to do about it do you want, should I call the cops <laughs> oh, that's incredible Imagine being sneaking into a nightclub and then it's just like attention, uh, you know, you know, Frank, your mum's at the front door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you literally go from the coolest guy to yeah. the, just the most embarrassed in seconds. Oh, oh that's pretty. Cool. I never even attempted to get into Patrick's just because I had, I was I was too scared. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's weird because so tracks is at. I didn't. I'd heard of Tracks, but it's at like the RSL or something, right? No, Tracks is Epping at the pub. pub, right? Okay. Epping Hotel, yeah, right. So is it? So a, is it like is a downstairs job or? A mm -hmm. Like is it? Is it, club, is it the old yeah. crusty locals upstairs and then downstairs all the young kids go sort of thing? Yeah. Or I, I feel like you've been to this place before, Alex. <laughs> this is exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's an equivalent of Tracks just like that, as you mentioned, in every major suburb in across across the Sydney CBD, yeah. across Sydney metropolitan area. It is uh, it is a wonderful place. Yeah, up 
they recently i know like as recently as like three years ago they tried to make the upstairs like a much more upmarket place mm. but yeah downstairs was a filthy place just full of like 18 year olds for mostly from macquarie uni who a lot of spillover Ooh. from the ranch going in there and then you got the classier clientele like myself who were playing electronic blackjack at epping rsl which is about 50 <laughs> meters behind <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. So that was. Uh, so you never tried getting in. Uh, so I guess is even when you are of age, it's still a bit daunting and intimidating to go to those places. Is it? Is it? Is a pretty hectic sort of place to go as an eighteen-year-old? Oh, I don't know. I think um, as an eighteen-year-old, it was kind of on the. It, it was very much the low end of uh, of nightclubs. It was kind of like yeah, it's kind of like it's like an entry-level nightclub. Right, it's level okay. one of nightclubs yeah. in the area. Yeah, I think it went. Uh, I think it went. Epping, Tracks, Patrick's, and then Castle Hill Tavern. Castle Hill Tavern was like premium nightclub experience right. yeah, for that area. Cut your yeah. teeth a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Then the Wogs would go to Parramatta. So, you know, that would be, you know, that would be where a few of my mates would head, head as well. So, you know, it kind of, yeah, kind of, but like Castle Tavern was like the, the, the epicenter for the area. It, even though it was, you know, six, seven kilometres away from Epping, it would kind of drew a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. So going that, out there, um, it's, uh, well, right now, actually, it's sort of in the news because, you know, we're recording this at the second and yesterday Gladys got the boot and uh, the tip to be next Premier of the state is a, uh, Dominic Perrottet, who is a local Epping member. Um, yeah, he's a local Epping member, took over from a, a guy called uh, something Smith, uh, who went to my church in uh, in Carlingford. And uh, these these guys are uh, come from a long succession of hard right Opus Dei Catholics. Yeah. They yeah. are. They are very strict hardliners who make up a, such a small percentage of Catholics, um, and they are just extremely disciplined in what they believe. It's <laughs> quite strange. So it's going yeah. to be hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, Perrottet loses the vote and um, someone a bit more moderate and a bit more inspirational like Matt Keane gets in. But uh, far out, man. My, my knowledge Do- of Opus Day is down to we've got Dominic Perrottet and the albino from the Da Vinci Code. This <laughs> is exactly right. This is exactly right. Now, I, I'm really good friends with his brother, Alex. So Alex and I, uh, we came up through high school together. We're, we're in the same year at school Dominic was a couple of years below us and he and Alex and I are good friends even though we are pretty much at the opposite ends of political spectrum he's a journalist in New Zealand and um, he's really smart interesting guy uh, and you know he, he was explaining that he they used to go to a school in the Hills district called Red Red not Redleaf uh, Red Dog no, not Red Dog. <laughs> red something. Red Wall. Hang on, let me have a quick look here. I did see something about that. I didn't know. Red Field? That's it. Red Field. Red, red Field and Dural. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they used to go to Redfield College in Dural, and he would say that all the Opus Day families would, would rock up in, you know, you, you know, you know, uh, school pickup you know mm. at, at a really at a kind of a normal uh private school school pickup looks like uh ten thousand land rovers back to back lined up around the corner yeah. well they don't do land rovers at redfield college because these are hardcore opus day catholics they all drive 
Toyota Hiaces because their families are filled what? with like 15 people. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's actually, it's it's, actually, minibus, yeah. it's yeah, it's a, each family has a minibus and the Perites come from a family of like 13 kids. Like this is, it's, it's serious. They're real serious hardcore it's Catholics. Something so weird with hardcore, hardcore beliefs and then just like, let's have a bunch of fucking kids. It's, <laughs> it's something in the church. It's, I don't know if it's contraception or it's just, we need to propagate and take over something like that. But yeah. the, yeah, the yeah. overstar the the, the I, I I don't know like the extent that they're into it, but they, they do this mortification of the flesh thing where they <laughs> wear like extra like extremely uncomfortable t-shirts underneath their shirts to like which is which themselves. is which is perfect if you go to tracks nightclub. But if you're the premier <laughs> of New South Wales, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's what they're because that's not a great look. He's there doing the COVID update. He's all itchy, but it's like to, you know, <laughs> and, and some of them wear like the extreme ones wear spiky like yeah. Bracelets almost, almost and, like so this is like BDSM culture yeah. transported into a minivan. Yeah, yeah. This is this is your soccer mom's BDSM. It's just weird over exactly, overlap. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I having no, like knowing Dom and knowing Alex, like they're good people. They're nice yeah. people, but uh, I just don't believe in what they believe. And I feel like Dominic would be a great treasurer, and he's still a great treasurer. He's got clear designs on being premier, mm-hmm. but I think um, I think someone a bit more someone who speaks to the broad church of the Liberal Party, as Tony Abbott would say, <laughs> like um, uh, Matt Keane would be interesting. Like, I'm not necessarily a Liberal voter at all, but uh, I would listen to what Matt Keane has to say than uh, what Dominic Perrottet has to say, that's for sure. Yeah, and he did a big... He did it. There was a bit of a controversy around the Epping... Because he, he was the castle... He was a member of Castle Hill, and then he got... Uh, he, he did a swapsies with a guy called Ray Williams from Hawkesbury... And uh, uh-huh. they, they swapped, this was in 2015, so they swapped seats 2015. And then the next year, 2019, Dominic's like, hey, I want my seat back. And Ray Williams <laughs> oh, like, no. no. And, he, and so Dominic's <laughs> reasoning was... He Jay Leonard him. Yeah, it was a Jay Leno move. <laughs> and Ray Williams was like, yeah. nah, not happening. So, so Ray Williams, uh, so Dominic's uh, reason was, I live in uh, Beecroft and it's a 40-minute mm. drive to Richmond where his office was. And he was fuming and he's like i can't do this 40 minute drive against traffic you know <coughs> to uh to my office and uh so he's making this huge uproar about it uh and then the the, the liberal party and the liberal member for like coffs harbour was like mate it takes me two hours to go from one side <laughs> of my electorate to the other you know you get a ministerial car you're having mm. a whinge and it was a huge embarrassment and then in the end they did a bit of a a little change of rule and he ended up in Epping. So it's like, you know, that whole thing about, I think the Labor Party recently were like, uh, you know, uh, they didn't come from the electorate. They don't believe in the electorate. Liberals like, I don't know I'm, pl- I'm just handing around like little tokens, you know. I don't well, there you go. Well, well, at least, at least uh, Dominic lives in the electorate, lives in the next suburb over. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there must be, there must be some serious traffic issues because one of the stories I found was about Beecroft Road. I don't know if you mm. had heard of this, Dan, or remember it. Um, about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, there was, there's basically along Beecroft Road, there's a little, um, it's like a, the main drag and then there's a little suburban street and a lot of people getting to work would just beeline down this street and there's school, you know, there's kids running around. So a lot of the mm. parents, they didn't like these cars flying down trying to beat the traffic. And some uh, anonymous vigilante made up a very realistic no left turn between the hours of eight and ten <laughs> sign, and he, he he stuck it up, and and it basically it sat there for for months, and people were ignoring it, and so 
someone, some resident called the cops. The cops came down. It fooled them. They handed out over 200 fines. Wow. <laughs> someone was like, wow. that's not a real sign. Wow, that's uh, amazing. I had no idea about that, <laughs> though I probably ignored the sign. Um, yeah, wow. That's so Does it invalidate bad. the charges? <laughs> sure. Did, it didn't say. I, I mean, hope it does. It, I think they eventually made it permanent, but yeah. <laughs> you can't they invalidate the charges. Like, it is it, they're like, it's a good sign. It's like, it's a really good sign. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's a great sign, yeah. 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 Be the change yeah. you want to see. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah. What, what was the vibe in that era growing up, apart from the nightclub? Was there, like, I mean, in that sort of Castle Hill era, Hilly area, because I think you said you lived around there and you sort of, yeah, I, was I, the centre spoke, I guess. Yeah, I, I grew up in um, Beecroft and it was a delightful childhood. It was like, you know, picture perfect suburban childhood. It was really great. Um, no, yeah, that was, that was kind of the vibe. It was just um, suburbs. Bushland, mm. um, schools nearby, lots of friends, lots of brandings in the streets, lots of uh, jumping from house to house, jumping in everyone's pools. It was, uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a real happy, real happy place to grow up as a kid. Real kind of um, very broad suburban place, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, chilled background, that sort of thing. I didn't know that. Uh, just, just again on politics, the local member federally is uh, was. John Howard. Uh, so he was the local member until he got rolled. So there's a, there is a bit of prestige in the area. Did, was it? A, did it feel like a political sort of, uh, you know, uh, where all the kingmakers and all that sort of were around? Or you didn't sort of notice that growing up? Not at the time. I think, um, yeah, so John Howard, he wasn't in my electorate. He was in the electorate next door. Right. Um, uh, my electorate was Barawa, and we had... Attorney General, what's his face? Father of the House for years. Um, uh, asking the wrong pod here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can barely yeah. pronounce half the suburb for each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we had the attorney, do we have the Attorney General? Hang on, let me, fuck, I can't rem- why can't I remember his name? Is was your, Some, uh, Someone Redfield? <laughs> Phil Roddick. Was it? Yeah, that's it. Yes. So, um, so oh, yeah, we had fi- yeah. so Philip Ruddock was our local member um, for our area. I think the electricity, the electrics and electorates and suburbs don't necessarily overlap right, in terms right, right. of um, in terms of uh, mapping. So mm-hmm. yeah, Philip Ruddock was our local member for years and years and years, and he was uh, Attorney General, and he was very prominent in in the in the Howard government. Um, so yeah, he was also a tennis superstar. You'd always see him on the courts. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> in the local area, you know, you used to get out there, play a bit of tennis. Um, so, yeah, there was, um, there was, at the time growing up, you didn't really think too much about it, but it was, you know, one of those things when I, I used to do um, scouts. So I would do scouts in that area as well. And then that scouts led to something called Gang Show, where all these scouts get together and they put on shows at the Parramatta Riverside and would have dignitaries come and see the show, like um, the, the governor. The governor of New South Wales would always come, and mm-hmm. uh, and the local member would always come, and uh, so yeah, I kind of got introduced to politicians mm-hmm. that way, face to face through scouting, which was really interesting. So I remember Philip Ruddock coming to the show. I remember Marie, Marie uh, Bashir coming to the show, and I also remember member for Parramatta Ross, what's his face, who's now on Sky News, coming to the show. Um, uh, so that was. Uh, Ross Cameron coming to the show. Um, and then I ended up volunteering for Ross Cameron. Oh, 
God. Because I didn't know any better. He was just like, you know, he was just like the liberal guy and was like, he came to the show and I was like 15. I was like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go volunteer for Ross Cameron. Wow. And I, built, I made Ross Cameron's first website. Um, this was back in probably 1995, 1996. Yeah. So, uh, MIDI, MIDI background sounds and uh, Exactly, yeah, yeah. That yeah. has the dance going uh, in the Yeah, I think I, I think I had uh, an about page. Uh, I think I had a little gift that said under construction. <laughs> A counter, yeah, get that counter going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of horror. And it's just Parramatta Road. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, mm. is a, what does a scout show look like? What are you doing up there? Uh, Gang Show is really quite a phenomenal piece of theatre. It's a very unique piece of theatre. So it's 150 kids on stage singing and dancing for their parents, essentially. And But the most important part of that show was the sketches. So it's like a review-style show. Like, right, and right, right. So there'd be songs and sketches, and I would be well into the sketches. Mm. So um, after a few years of doing that, when I was like 12, 13, 14, I ended up as the... Pro, like a system pro, a production assistant then became assistant producer and became a producer for over the course of 11 years in that show um, and it was um, a wonderful experience in, in in understanding how to get the most out of people for nothing mm. um, you know we, we we would put together this this enormous show with hundreds of volunteers at the Parramatta Riverside theaters back do, in the day and do you, uh, any, it was, um, do you have any sketches that uh, come to mind oh uh, no, I, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't well, they, remember. They, I mean, it wouldn't have been too political, right? Like it was... There was know, never, there was yeah. never any politics. There was never any, there was all, there was one sketch called Better Dead Than Red. And that was one of my favourite sketches. And it was about, it was, it was about the fall of the Berlin Wall. I forget who made it. Um, um, <laughs> who are these but precocious it, kids? Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really great. It was, it was performed by like the, the Rovers in the show. So the adult scouts. And um, it was like... It was like these these Soviet soldiers on the wall just finding out that the wall had fallen. And um, prior to that, uh, w like it was all about that that period of time when um, when, when they when somebody would sneak over the wall and they would bring the Soviet soldiers McDonald's from from West Berlin, and that was really exciting. You know, it was really it's actually really funny, cutting edge kind of comedy for the nineties. Um, and I loved that sketch as a kid, and yeah, I think yeah. I got to be in it like three times in ten years because just, they kept they like rotate sketches all the time. <laughs> just just for contrast, you're doing uh, you know this political satire, Berlin Wall stuff in your teens. I recently found an old art book of mine from when I was about 14 and I had a comic idea that I was going to do this comic series and it was called The Cock Smoker. I'll send you guys the, the drawing, but it was just this uh, concept art of this guy um, in the, the shady guy in like a hat and coat and he had a dick in his mouth. And then there was a guy with no penis on the ground and blood around him and he was like, you stole my cock. <laughs> and you were going to make this a full oh, series somehow? Yeah. yeah Fucking so. hell. I don't think that's getting on the gang show for stage <laughs> somehow, Drewy. Yeah. It's a rewrite. Yeah. No, no. You, you <laughs> so, put it. You know, we're operating on similar levels. Yeah. <laughs> 
You put that on gang show stage and you could end up in uh, in court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder wonder if that one would have Philip Ruddock's walking out being like, I tell you what one I liked, cock smoker. <laughs> <laughs> G'day kids, I really enjoyed your um your Rogers and Hammerstein routine, but I particularly enjoyed the cock smoker. Well done. Excellent. You know, nothing inspiring. Keep it up. You know, one day you could end up in Parliament. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Oh yeah, that, yeah. We we had had no political like knowledge at all, except our local state member was his name was Richard Face. So everyone just called him Dick Face, <laughs> and that was all for us. Well, like, this guy rules, you know, Dick Face. And, uh, and then the la- the other member was was uh, Kelly Hoare, and everyone was like, "We're set. This is great. We're twelve years old. This is f- politics rules," you know. So it wasn't <laughs> so that's about it in Newcastle. That's how that's how good it gets for us, you know. So that, that was would have been a sliding door moment, though, Dan. You had, you know, volunteering for the Liberal Party and then gang yeah. show. Yeah. And, you, know, you really you took one path. You could have been a state member for Epping if you took the other, you know. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So, anyway. Yeah, no, I was, more into, uh, I was more into jokes than I was into politics. And uh, so far, I've made uh, a career out of both. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a bit about, because obviously, I think until 2009, the Channel 7 studio was in Epping and um and I read a, like a little bit about sort of the history of it been there since 1956 yeah um apparently on opening night they were Sydney was hit by a pretty crazy storm and it mm. just lost all power so they were <laughs> like this is all right, this is it guys opening night and then they got no power until about 45 minutes before they were supposed to go live to air mm. and they managed to get on but it had a bunch of firsts you know the first uh, breakfast show, first Tonight Show, first Current Affairs show, a lot of the first soap operas in Australia. Um, but one that I wanted to talk about was, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Rex Mossop, the old rugby league commentator. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, he's such a strange guy. I, I love him. And he, was, he sort of existed back in the day when he was just a footy player and then he was integral in getting rugby league on the air in the 60s and it was on Channel 7. And he did all the commentating. He did a lot of the presenting. But just because he was there, they just would just throw him shows. Like he he was the beast in one of the original Beauty and the Beast. Like <laughs> Stan, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what would happen in those days. That's what happened in those yeah. days. Um, it seemed like uh, if pe- you were just there, you got you, the TV show. Yeah, if you're part of the network, you're just given a TV show. I mean, this is this is exactly what happens today. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're contract, particularly the only network that's still the only two networks that still really do it. Uh, seven and nine. They've got their network talent and they just give them shows to do. Right, right. So that's why Larry Emder's picked up the chase. Um, that's why, uh, you know, that's why uh, the same people are on Channel 9 that have been on Channel 9 for thousands yeah. of years. They, they just try to give those people jobs because they're already signed to the network so you yeah. don't have to give them any more money. So well, it's, this, that's kind of how that works, yeah. This uh, this show of, of Rex's was my favourite Um this is one of the ones that he got, and I got to give a shout out to uh, the, the, another podcast, the Rugby League Digest, which I recommend to anyone who's into rugby league. This is where I got this from. But he basically one of the shows he hosted was I think it was called uh, the Club Show, and <laughs> wow. so this was a live a live variety show that was put on every Saturday night. Went for about three hours. Wow! And it was just it, it was like you know a bunch of variety acts that have a comic, some musicians, whatever. Uh, but it was broadcast live from a different RSL every week. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Which fucking absolutely that already rules. Um, <laughs> but this is a this is a quote from Rex Mossop's book, his uh, his autobiography, and this is him talking about the show. 
And he goes, quote, uh, the trickiest part of presenting the club show was preparing for the live crosses to the dog races each half hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they had a market there, didn't they? Yeah. He goes, oh. uh, those dogs waited for nobody, so it was my job Sorry to get all the entertainment and interviews wound up so we could make a smooth transition to Wentworth Park. Oh, that fucking, that's television. Take me back, baby. How that, good you know, is that, TV? That is the golden age. Back in the day, you know? That's just ridiculous. And everyone would have been smoking ciggies, cut to the dog track. Like, that's the show I want back on the air, you know? <laughs> there were so many great shows were filmed there. And I saw Hey Dad, Sunrise... Sons and Daughters, Country Practice, All Saints, Terry Willisy tonight, Home and Away, Romper Room. I don't know. We had a romper room in Newcastle. I think they just had a – it was so cheap that they just throw – and that, that was like one of those shows where – I don't know if you guys ever go on Romper Room or as yep. a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Romper Room is a better name uh, for a nightclub than Patrick. Alex, <laughs> if, if you want to, you can share this. Hang on. Um, so this is me on Romper Room. Um, you can oh, probably wow. – if you want to share that in the on the screen – um, so, yeah, I knew there was a local version of Romper Room in Newcastle. And I thought it was amazing because, you know, that was back when regionals used to make their own telly beyond news. And I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I was on Romper Room when I was about four years old. Um, I remember going there. It was my first ever break on TV. There um, and and now, so. to, to give you some context, um, the, the video that you're about to play, you might want to go from the start there. Um, the video you're about to play is me on Romper Room um, boldly um, thinking. So oh, quite often my confidence far outstrips my ability um, <laughs> and nothing showcases that more than this clip from Romper Room where we try to do different uh, where Miss Linda is going through different kinds of buckles and fasteners, and then she gets to a shoelace, and she and I think, yeah, I can fucking nail a shoelace. My brother's taught me how to tie a shoelace, and let's see how that clip goes. <laughs> you guys can hear? Yeah. And sometimes you have buckles on suitcases like that, but the one I really want to have a look at is this one, a shoe with a lace. Now, who'd like to come up to see if they can tie that lace for me? Would you, Daniel? Okay, I'll undo it for you. That's me. I'm Daniel in this case, <laughs> not Dan. Now, there we are. And then you put that one over oh there. God, like I'd be shitting myself. So here I am. I've got my shoelace <laughs> and I'm trying um, to do it up. Well, I'd be grab it done. Mm -hmm. Is he showing you how to do it? <laughs> oh, oh, no. way, too, way too up the top. <laughs> Here we are, Lower Dan. I don't know quite to do it. I don't know how to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> the confidence is fine. Yeah, always, always been good at riffing in the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm basically got the shoelaces overlapped each other. Got one under oh, the other, no. and I've made the first bit, <laughs> but can't even bother. Can't even know how to do a bow oh, or bring no. it under, and I've had to get the presenter to do it for me. Oh no! <laughs> and then. Here we go. I don't know quite how to do it. <laughs> and if you can't, for the listener, I'm absolutely packing my dacks. Uh, there's a very stressed on national television. And then the it together pretty well. Yeah. And then Miss Linda is like trying to use my hands to create a bow while the girls are looking on going, what the fuck are you Can doing? Can we move on? Can we move on? Yep. <laughs> then there I walk go. away, have it, oh, have it done. 
That's great. And then hang on, and then hang on. Keep just playing. play, keep, keep playing this bit. And then this girl just rocks up. Oh, See no. how you go, Jody. I know it takes oh, no, a little bit. And then Jody, 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 Jody decides Jody. she wants to have a go. She rocks up, and Bing, Bang, Bong, oh. bloody knocks it out of the park. Ties oh, a bloody shoelace. A perfect loop sweep and pull. Puts me go. to shame. Well, I don't know what Jody's been up to lately, but Jody, have you raised a hundred thousand dollars lately? No, no, you haven't. Forget it. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I raised one hundred two thousand dollars. <laughs> wow, fuck, Jody well just crushes after you. Oh That's my a, god! And you're off screen there, probably just undoing your Velcro shoes. Or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. anyway, so yeah, I was on, I was on my broom, and do, um, do you, it was um, amazing. Yeah, that that's just great. I love. I just love how that was TV. Like it wasn't, you know, like people were home watching that. It's so great to have your family be like, yeah, that was little Daniel doing it. But it was broadcast. Like other people were just ironing, <laughs> watching this kid try to tie his shoelaces. They just yeah. had nothing else to fill the time. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was a real special place, Epping um, Studios for Channel Seven. It was like the first kind of. Um, uh, one of the one of the first big studios in Australia, and it, it was built in Epping because Channel Seven had cheap land back then. It was there was the land was really cheap, but also it was high. So you had the ABC and Nine, who were a bit closer to the city, and they had to build these gigantic towers. Um, but by building in Epping, which is on a quite a hill, um, they didn't have to build a, a, a quite a large tower. Yeah, cost saving measure there. Yeah, so that was a, that was like part of the I think the part of the charm of moving to Epping for them. That's there so is great. there is some crossover as well with Epping Studio Productions and Tracks Nightclub in a very early season of pa- a, uh, Channel 7's smash hit Pack to the Rafters, which is now back in the zeitgeist because it's on Amazon Prime. But uh, the the older ladies in the in the show go out for a night of clubbing and they go to tracks and uh, it, they make it they dress it up make it seem like it's a really exclusive place and like oh my god we're going to tracks because I'm not sure I could describe it to you guys but like basically Epping Pub Epping Hotel is on a, like a main drag it's right opposite the train station and then there's this little pedestrian hill down to the street behind and on this pedestrian hill is the side entrance where you go directly for tracks which mm. gives it that club vibe that the bouncers desperately wanted to have and they filmed <laughs> an episode of Pack to the Rafters going in there and then uh, they all Did they uh, do it as like we're going to tracks in epping or no 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 they did it as like we're going to the hot club cool cool. like we're we're ladies in our 40s and we're reclaiming our youth we're going to the hottest club in sydney and Mm. then it end i wish someone could find this footage i scrubbed the internet a little bit for it today and couldn't find a clip of it but they end up in there and instead of it just being like a bunch of 18 year olds hooking up and spilling wet pussy (laughs) shots on the floor they do a massive group nut bush (laughs) (laughs) all together did they yeah. uh, did they uh, turn up to like a wedding of my youth? Is that what's happening? <laughs> they actually turn up to every single wedding of my youth. You're acting like you've never been clubbing before, Jamie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can, out there and I can never get in. I was too scared. Uh, I do know. I was, a, though, I was like, a macarena guy, outside, so I don't know about this nut bush stuff. About about 75 meters away from tracks was a little place called Paradise Diner. Yes, which, is, uh, which was the local dirty kebab and pizza shop. It, mm. it is gone now. Rest in peace. <gasps> Uh, from oh, fuck But from my internet research It seems like the guy Has just gone to Carlingford Court And started a new kebab shop <laughs> but, uh, Well the Carlingford Court kebabs Are premium They're excellent there 
I always liked I always liked the Paradise Diner one too, and the pizza was disgustingly good, like post drinking food. But I did. It was just this tiny little uh, kebab shop outside of Epping, and Epping Hotel and the RSL used to be really busy on Wednesday nights for uni mm. students, and just like about two on Wednesday. That Epping section of Epping Road with Paradise Diner was always packed, and a mate, of, a mate of mine got stabbed in the back outside <laughs> of there. Jesus, yeah, because, figuratively or uh, no, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, Mike yeah. about. He's promised. So this guy, yeah, uh, Jamie's friend was Kevin Rudd, and the person was <laughs> Julia Gillard <laughs> with some knives in their back. Yeah, we were it just was very figurative to, stabbing. Yeah, we were just trying to get back. a P day out of Paradise Diner, um, but yeah, yeah, no, a mate, uh, a mate of a mate. Uh, after effing while we were all there and like he was like ah and then turned around this knife in his back uh jesus and it turned out like so then the police came the paramedics came he went to hospital and we're like what the fuck happened because we assumed that maybe you know it's a bunch of drunk people at tracks on a wednesday night maybe someone was a bit mouthy got into a fight knife comes out guy gets stabbed in the back that is not what happened what had happened was that, like, a local criminal gang had seen this guy and mistaken him for someone else who had done <laughs> oh, them dirty. Yeah. So they were like, well. there's the fucking guy. I recognize him from the back and went up, stabbed him. He turns around and is like, ow. And they're like, oh, sorry, wrong guy. And just hopped on motorbikes and rode off. Ow. Can I just <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, I, I did grow up in the main streets of Epping. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and extremely yeah. difficult. If, you, if you're going to stab someone and don't recognize from the back, like double check. Let's go, let's wrap around the front <laughs> with some crazy. more fucking recon, you know? What, what the fuck? Guy? I fucking know those lats. <laughs> fuck <him. laughs> <laughs> Fucking get him. Oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if you know, I don't know if you know this, Dan. Uh, I've been trying to, because uh, I've asked a couple of Epping people the stories and stuff while I, while I was researching. And one that came up from a couple of people, but I couldn't find any corroboration of it in the media, was that I know for a fact that Right on Epping Road, there are two Indian restaurants, and they are right next door to each other. Oh, one of right. them is big, one of them is a little smaller. And apparently, those guys were at war, like concert. And <laughs> wow, where, I I didn't know that. Damn. Maybe they were. Um, maybe like one was Pakistani, one was Indian, <laughs> yeah. and they were like uh, trying to patch out the territory. Yeah. Um, but I think there might be a few more Indian restaurants now in Epping than than, than there were back in the old days. So yeah, I think that I think they definitely have. Um, uh, flooded the market in terms of restaurants there. I, I think there was a really great, there's a really great one on the corner in the new building. Um, yeah, I used to go to the Thai, the Thai Smile place quite a bit, oh, and yeah. Paris Diner, um, and I used to go to the old RSL, which used to be in the Ox- in Oxford Street across the road, where from where the new RSL used to be, is, and then the new RSL kind of became like a big a big mecca for my family dinners and stuff like that. So yeah, I've had, uh-huh. yeah, there's been a lot of, um, yeah, that, that little street, Rawson street is been extremely, uh, part of a lot of stories from my family's youth for sure. Well, I do have, uh, two reviews from the RSL that I found. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. That tickled me. This one from John, this is a kind of a classic, um, genre of review that comes up a lot in, uh, in this podcast, but this is John's review. One star, they owe me five dollars. 
10th of the 2nd, 2018. I am awaiting a call on Monday. If the poker machine, when counting the cash accumulated I was paying, contains $5 more than it says it should. So, there we John's go, going right. to war over John. stolen five bucks in Queen oh of the Nile. God. People log John. Uh, but this one really got me because this one kind of raises a few more questions mm. uh, than it answers here. This is Murray, four years ago, one star. Politically correct zone. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a Sky News show. What <laughs> the fuck? What's he talking about? <laughs> the, the CEO Peter says won't let us sing with the entertainment they provide. Even an 86-year-old lady was banned. Won't so, let us know. sing with sing. the entertainment. So, what I, were they singing? Were they singing like a Third Reich? Uh, yeah. kind of? <laughs> 86 year old. I think she was singing Kendrick Lamar, and she was singing all the words. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess they had a band or something, and they, these people were trying to like grab the mic or something. I don't know. But just the idea of an 86-year-old lady getting wrestled out of there with a microphone in her hand. Who doesn't really understand what politically correct What are you is. doing? <laughs> All I want to do is sing N-word in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. Is it a big RSL? You said you spent a lot of time there, Kerr. I loved it. I was there probably from like 2008 to 2011 at least once a week. Pretty much every Wednesday, sometimes <laughs> Saturday, Sunday too. Wow, and this isn't tracks. Wow. This isn't the other part of tracks. Nah, this is a different this one. Is an this is across the road from tracks. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's like okay. it's fifty meters away. So you know you can go from one to the other pretty cleanly. But it it it, it is an RSL with like all. It's got rows and rows of pokies. It it's one of the only RSLs in that area that had electronic blackjack. So we played a lot of. <laughs> electronic blackjack complaining that it was rigged and whatnot uh, <laughs> we had a couple of friends who work behind the bar as well so we got cheaper drinks and they're already cheaper for members so it was great for us it was like three dollar fifty bourbon and cokes basically wow. when you're 19 that, that. you chuck in a fisherman's basket there and you got <laughs> you're having a yeah. good night <laughs> but like yeah. i can't stress like it was the place to be. Like everyone, like people would dress mm. up to go, like people 18, 19 yeah. and stuff. And it was the place to have um, formal functions in the area too because it, it's kind of a nice looking building. And, you know, I remember going to 21st there and weddings there and, you know, stuff like that. It's not a, it's a, it's a classy joint, the, the uh, Epping RSL. Yeah. And I'm so is, sure it a, is, it, is it, James, you went there through uni, right? Is that, yes. is that a uni sort of? A lot Top of uni, a lot of uni kids would have gone there because yeah, a lot right. of people from Macquarie University would have gone to there or the ranch. And yeah, uh, cool. if you were there, like me, in the late two thousands, uh, you probably would have encountered uh, one of the bouncers there because obviously <laughs> you had uh, the ID scan machines that printed out the little receipts. It's an RSL club. Oh yeah, and yeah. And so you probably encountered Lucas Brown, who is otherwise known as Australia's first world heavyweight boxing champion. Wow. Uh, former yeah. bouncer wow. at Epping RSL, still active. He's due to fight at the O2 Arena this month. He's just no. he's come off a loss in <laughs> April to a uh, former who's rugby he, league player. Who's he? Four drunk plumbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just lost to uh, Paul Gallen. Uh, former yeah. rugby league player. Oh, that April. guy! Uh, yeah. From 2009 to 2018, he was undefeated. Um, and if you look at him, he looks like a bouncer at a suburban RSL. He's a huge yeah. skinhead. Yeah. Is he going to fight Jake Paul anytime soon? No, I but where, really I know it. that he got pre-Jake Paul when everyone wanted to fight mouthy rugby league players. I know he was one of the people who volunteered to fight Sonny Bill Williams. 
Yeah, yeah. Fuck, all those guys want to get in a fight. Like, Hopawadi was a boxer for a little bit. Hopawadi got beaten by Lucas Brown. Oh, (laughs) damn. Wow. Jeez, wow. He, like you, Dan, also had another talent and sliding doors moment. He could have been a professional singer. Uh, his mum said he had the voice of an angel and she said she tried this from a Daily Telegraph article she said I tried to convince him a few years ago to become a full time singer I would manage him and we'd call him the singing assassin (laughs) (laughs) mum's got the domain registered that is great so so this guy goes this guy can sing apparently and he goes on Australian Idol in 2004 season (gasps) 2 Wow. And uh, here's a, a snippet from this Telegraph article that seems unnecessarily mean about the contestants now, because this article is from after Brown obviously became world champion boxer. This is Brown may well have gone down that path that had he made a bigger impression on the idle judges in Series 2, eventually won by Casey Donovan, who now does parties and functions, while runner-up Anthony Kalia now eats bugs on a reality television show. It's like, <laughs> all right, Telegraph. Like, who is that? Like... <laughs> Your Murdoch news. Like, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. But um, here's some background on him. Uh, this is from another article from Nine. So, Lucas Brown. He, he's always fancied himself a singer. He said he saw the first season of Idol and he thought he'd give it a go. And um, he basically said that he was going quite well. And they, he was there the last day before they picked the top thirty to eventually go to TV. And he reckons he didn't get through because he sang a song that no one knew. He said, some donkey sang We Will Rock You and everyone got involved. They all knew the words and sang along. I sort of shot myself in the foot singing a song no one knew. They all just sat there and looked at me. It went well. I made the top 50, but it wasn't to be at that stage. <laughs> oh, no. And I looked. I looked at YouTube, on YouTube for some clips of him singing, and he's not mm-hmm. bad. He does sing an obscure song because he's in three separate clips, he sings the same song every time. It's some song I've never heard of by I think a band called In Living Color. And um, yeah, what, what did he sing? Which one? Which In Living Color song? Oh God, what was it called? Mr. Personality. I think that might be it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this That's is a, a photo of him. Uh, for like, this is what we're dealing with oh, here. Wow. So, do you remember he, this guy asking me how much I had to drink? Yeah. That guy looks like he would definitely look at your driver's license very closely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stare over your shoulder and not even and, look at and your And say, mate, it's time to go. You've had enough. I've, I've probably... If that, guy, if that guy told me not in those shoes, I would definitely go and change my shoes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd go change my undies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, odds are pretty good that at some point the world champion boxer has kicked me or one of my friends out of Epping RSL. Yeah, um, it is a good uh, good feeling. So he he reconsidered after. So he didn't make the top fifty in Idol, and then he decided to uh, reconsider his plans because uh, he said that when he was young, he either wanted to be a world champion heavyweight boxer, a famous singer, or a professional hitman. Um, <laughs> That's which, the smiling assassin, singing assassin, yeah, right? It's, it's pretty pretty similar, story. Pretty pretty similar jobs. And then so is, there he, a, is there like a, a cert for at TAFE for professional hitmen? Is that, uh, is that something you can get done? I hope so. They do yeah. have a, the Sydney University Hitman Review Show. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not think you see them from the back and stab them as well. That's, yeah. you got you to yeah. get them on the... No, That's right. He's a professional. He's yeah, a professional. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Can, he, can, he, can, he can smash someone from a kilometre away. Yeah, so yeah. What, what led him to eventually taking boxing was that like basically at Epping RSL and King's Cross where he also bounced... People would try and take him on, and he'd have to beat the shit out of them. 
So he said he get, like he it gave him a sneaking suspicion he could handle himself as a professional fighter. And in mm. 2009, he took the plunge. So uh, so you're welcome, Lucas, for my help at making you the professional <laughs> world champion boxer. <laughs> Drunk Jamie Kirk was once on his on his fucking you know rankings there. I don't think oh, I would have I would have ran. Man, so I would not I would not want to come across a drunk Jamie Kirk in the street. I'd be pretty intimidated. <laughs> just lost just, 30 bucks on electronic blackjack. Coming at you with hack to the rafters trivia. Uh, coming, out with those, coming out with those greasy, salty, fish-fingered fingers. <laughs> Do you know Rebecca Gibney danced over there? <laughs> oh, wow. These wow. two Indian guys fucking hate each other. <laughs> Can anyone confirm? No one will. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Do you <laughs> hate each other or what? <laughs> Everyone said they did. <laughs> Are you guys like Kashmir in India? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, I got one famous other epping story, which is a bit of a darker note, but uh, we've got to get into it, is the famous epping murder, the, fan, mm. the Lin family murder. Yeah, Dan, I don't very, know if you were around. Very um, classic uh, epping story. Yeah. The Lin family owned a news agency in Rawson Street opposite the RSL. Lovely family, always mm. friendly, running that shop um, really well. Would always pick up a paper there before hopping on the train to go to the city or wherever I was going. And, um, yeah, one, one day it was, as, as a punter, as, as, as a commuter, one day they were closed for weeks on end and it became quite obvious that something sinister had happened. Yeah. And um, the, the whole family was completely murdered by another member of the family. Yeah. Jesus. Um, yeah, so it's it was a... What, what, what year was this? Well, this would have been early 2000s. 2009. Oh, yeah, 2009. Wow, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. So um, quite, a, quite a sad quite a sad sad story and i think only one family member survived the the daughter she survived yeah. um i think she was out of the house that day or something she like was that. overseas she yeah. was on a cheltenham girls trip overseas so wow. the, the story is that um yeah so the the uh the the auntie so it's the sister of the murdered family and her husband notice that the news agent shut like everyone and they think what's going on so they go over to the house and they find the whole family killed, and the, obviously the sister's in hysterics. She calls the police. She's, you know, going crazy about it. The the uncle, her husband, leaves her there to go and pick up the parents. He's like, "You stay here at the crime scene where there's all these murders. I'm going to duck Jesus. over and pick someone." Up. She's like, "No, stay with me. Stay with me." So he goes, "No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm ducking over." So he goes and picks up the parents, and immediately he comes back, and the cops are then immediately like, "What?" This is a bit sus, but they actually don't know. They can't. They go in. They look around. They know that someone has definitely done it. Who knows the family? There's no break-in. Um, someone had turned the circuit breaker off, so they knew where that was to kill the power. So there was nothing stolen. And like you said, Dan, the eldest daughter was away on a trip, and the, the, her room, the, the killer, didn't go into her room. You know, there's bloody footprints everywhere. Didn't even attempt to open her door, so he knew she wasn't there. So if you're a random guy going and killing his whole family, you're going to be like, who's in this door? Hmm. So nothing's ransacked or stolen. And then they're immediate. And then as soon as they're killed, apparently the uh, uncle starts agitating to take over the news agency. Like, you know, like, oh, well, they're dead. Like, I, I should run it. So I don't know if he actually got it up and running at some point, but they were extremely sus on this guy. And then they got even more sus. This is 
so they're all on him, the video surveillance and everything, but they had no real other links to it. But then they found uh, that there was a nine or ten, size nine or ten pair of ASIC sneakers that were used by the killer based on the bloody footprints. They, they got the pattern, the size, nine to ten pair of ASICs. They told the, uh, the, the wife, his wife, you know, we're looking into this, we've got some evidence, and they sort of just relate it to her. And then they had him on, this, the uncle on surveillance, like two days later, um, cutting up and, uh, a, a box, a shoebox, 9.5 pair of ASICs and flushing the shoebox down the toilet. Oh boy. So, yeah. <laughs> so they had him on like internal bugged inside the house. They were trying to ta- catch him talking about it. But I think they thought the husband and wife were in on it together, but I don't think she was. And so she just said to him, oh, there's this, they, they've got this, they think it's a guy with this. And so he went and found the shoebox under the bed or something, starts cutting it up. He also cleaned the garage the, mo- the morning that they were killed. So he's like, oh, just time for a spring cleaning. Let's clean the garage up, you know, hmm. and like his own garage. And they, they didn't have any evidence, any direct evidence until they found a blood spot in his garage and had DNA from f- on it uh, from four of the five victims. They had to go like crazy wow. levels of like wow. US DNA labs because it was so old and, you know, intense crime scene, CSI stuff. And then eventually still, so they had all this circumstantial evidence. They had motive. They had all this other stuff. And then they had DNA in his garage and then it still took four trials to get him Mm. like four times the trial fell apart because of different reasons and there was hung juries and deadlocked juries and eventually it went to an 11 to 1 verdict um and found guilty so yeah real real insane um murder and that would have played out for years because i think i think 2009 was a murder and then i think it was 2000 and 15 or 16 when he finally was found guilty and the whole time not only that but uh, a horrifying detail is that he wasn't arrested for two years and in those two years he reopened the news agency yeah so like the killer was the face of the news agency because i used to go to that news agency when both of them owned it because i used Mm. to buy cigarettes from there before going into the rsl and yeah, so he just so kept. Did you know it. that at the second time you were there, and there was this guy, and you're like, "That's the guy they think it is," or was that all? No, hush, no, hush no, at the no, time? no. We, did. I wasn't like, "Oh, that guy probably killed the Lins." You know, no, I wasn't doing. I, yeah, that. this was before I, true crime podcasts, and everyone yeah, had yeah, a theory yeah. about them. I was. I would go in there and pick up the paper and tell that guy, "Say, can you believe this Lin story?" <laughs> Nine and a half, they reckon. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a killer, I'd be getting rid of those boxes. You know that. <laughs> You know, they say they they say it was the uncle. Can you believe that? <laughs> what an idiot! This uncle, I tell you what. Anyway, okay, look here. They say it's the uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, like anyway, I'll have a I'll have a Mars bar, some nine and a half size Asics, and uh, and some methylated spirits to wipe down everything after I'm done. Thanks very much. How, how, how many? Like, how far into the shoe do you reckon he got flushing them down the toilet before that clogged? Oh, no, there's yeah. the box. He must have flicked because I reckon he oh, just flicked the, the outfit he was wearing because they never found the murder weapon. They never found any blood on his clothing, so he would have chucked all his outfit out. Look, then, this just this yeah. just goes to my point. You never keep the shoebox. Just always no, get rid of the shoebox. Yeah, yeah. 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 you, you don't need it. You don't. You don't need a shoebox. You don't need a shoebox. <laughs> Nobody needs a shoebox. Shoe no, no, shoe That's okay. why every time I buy a new pair of shoes, I always flush the box straight away. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> cut them up. Putting it in hole. 
That's why when I, whenever I murder someone, I get Lucas Brown, the smiling assassin, to do it. And, uh, exactly. you, no traces. No traces. Yeah. Size 18 fucking asset or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Jamie, you were fucking there. You saw him. Yeah, yeah. So you would have met, well, you you met this fucking murderer. That's oh. crazy. Yeah. And I mean, like like Dan said, the original Mr. Lin, Min Lin, he was a super nice guy. Like he was Lovely, great. yeah. Yeah. And like wow. fixed. The, as much of a fixture of the community as someone can be like these days like people knew who he was and stuff because he ran wow. the local yeah. I didn't know that like yeah. he's more part of the community than Dominic Perrottet like that kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah. he's not I tell you what Min Lim wasn't begging to go back to the Hawkesbury you know <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, and so that would have just made because I was I wasn't even in Sydney at this time and I remember reading about every you know, mm. like, oh, they found this. Like, it was such a crazy murder and, and that it happened in the middle of this sort of sleepy-ish suburb. But for it to be a local known figure, Jamie, family, Jamie, can, Jamie, can you believe this guy? Sleepy suburb? We've yeah, already spoken about tracks. We've spoken about the RSL. We're talking about fat chicks. Murders. Knives. My God, what are you talking about? Sleepy suburb. Sleepy suburb. Like a butter knife or something. That's about it. Other than this, but... Uh, <laughs> I did, yeah, I, I did, I was, one of the funniest things I've seen in Epping, like one of the strangest, funniest things I've seen in Epping, it's not really related to like the community as a whole, but I lived in like a very quiet street and like as part of this, you wouldn't call it like a gated community, but like you drive off curb and then there's like a community of houses there. And when we lived there, we were like three... 19 year old boys so we were given like the real estate's being like i'm looking out for you getting you this mate like just letting you know you'd be on your best behavior and next door to us was like you live in fucking entourage over there vinnie chase (laughs) yeah we had this like house with a backyard and stuff it was great but next door to us was just like a new new parents they hated us and immediately but we were on this very quiet street and i was one day driving my car up to the coles to get some groceries and as I'm about to turn left out of my street, I see a car completely upside down um, <laughs> on this quiet street. Uh, it, apart from the fact that it's completely upside down, the car was in pretty good nick as well. Like, you know, like the windows were smashed, but like the car's fine. It's just completely upside down. I can't see any evidence of uh, accident or anything. I'm just like, huh, that's weird. Car is upside down. About to turn left and keep driving when I hear my name get yelled out. And uh, it's my friend Jordan. You guys have met Jordan. He's played soccer with us a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Uh, known during uh, those uni days as being somewhat of a frugal man. Uh, <laughs> always loved a bargain. There's always one friend that's a frugal friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he comes up to my car and he's like, hey, man, how's it going? I look at him and he's, he's holding like a loaf of bread. But he's also covered in blood, like <laughs> all down his arms. So I ask him, like, I'm like, man, what's happened? <laughs> and he, he said... He's like, oh, bread's on special. Dude. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, no, the blood. <laughs> my sister was driving a car and uh, somehow hit a car on the curb and managed to flip the car completely over. Jeez, wow. And his sister's not there, so no one's there. He's covered in blood. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, are you okay? Do you need to take me? Do you need me to take you somewhere? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I wasn't in the car. Uh, so I'm just like, wait, what? He's like, my sister had to go to hospital. I wasn't even in the car. So I'm like, man, why are you covered in blood? 
And what had happened was that his sister had been up to Coles and bought a loaf of bread for their groceries for breakfast. And instead of giving up the loaf of bread and going back to Coles, he crawled through the back window to get the <laughs> loaf of bread that was still in the heart and just cut himself to pieces on all the broken glass. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Well, you know, you, know, you know what they, they say? If you want to make bread, you got to go and crawl through glass <laughs> to get bread. Yeah. yeah. I some was, fucking hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some fancy fucking Man. bread. No, no, yeah. Jordan. It was that's it was top. the regular. It was white. Cole's white bread. Oh. <laughs> well, that $3 is worth, worth <laughs> yeah. it. Isn't it? Yeah. How, how did she blood. flip it? How fast mate, is, mate, blood, is, blood is cheap. Blood is free. You don't have to pay for blood. You're going to pay <laughs> for bread. That's where he's going next is donate the blood off his body. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. collected just, in like, a glass. squeegeeing it into a vial. He's collected yeah, in a stolen headmaster glass from track. Oh, yeah. How much can I get for 300 mils of the prime zero plus blood here? Um, as to how it happened, I have no idea because it was a. It's a forty zone. Like it's it's a quiet, mm. wide, a street wide enough for people to park on both sides of the road and two cars to easily get through. So mm. I think she must have just panicked and hit something and gone <laughs> over. But I've never yeah. seen a car Flip upside button. down since. Mm. That's insane. Um, oh, Kirk, do we hit the last two questions? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, Dan, if someone says to you, hey, Dan, I'm coming up to Epping today where it's all happening and I'm spending a 24 hours there. I'm spending a morning, afternoon and night. Can you give me an itinerary? What do I do? What do you tell Assu- them? Assuming no COVID lockdown, let's just you know, <laughs> not stay right. inside and wash your hands. So... <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're. I'm so glad you're coming to Epping. Epping <laughs> is an absolute delight. Make sure you come via train. That's the first place to do. It. Nothing yeah. says Epping like the train station. It's the only reason why Epping exists is so people can get out of Epping. <laughs> uh, so make sure you come by train, uh, and then let's walk down to the train. Let's have a great time. First of all, you got to hit up that Thai smile. That Thai smile is going to fill you up with some delicious Thai food. And then uh, you're going to want to go to Video Easy. It doesn't exist anymore. But Video Easy was there. And that is a beautiful uh, institution um, when it was there. You could spend hours sifting through Video Easy. I don't know if you ever noticed in your suburbs, Video Easy's went from doing videos to doing coffee to doing um, co-working spaces to doing uh, games rooms to doing like all these other things as people stop coming in to get videos it was already uh gloria jeans and video easy <laughs> exactly yeah, ex- exactly exactly now if you are a religious person um we have you covered particularly if you like any kind of christianity yeah. there's about 10 different churches of 10 different sects uh, yeah. and speaking of sex if you are a brethren there are houses filled with people with uh, rags on their heads, uh, and that is your that is your people. We've got yeah. those too. They're they're there. That that's like we don't talk about the brethren much because they don't talk about themselves much. But yeah, they are the, a sect of Christianity that is probably one up from Opus Day. So you can the join. Weird ones. What, it's, what's the what's the, what's their full name? The something brethren. The f- uh, I think it's the. Uh, the white brethren, the back of the car, <laughs> that cost two dollars. Uh, no, uh, uh, I'm not. I can't. They've got yeah, some real fucking like weird rules. Hey, those guys. But we got we got Baptists, Presbyterians, Catholics, lapsed Catholics. If you like me, there we got heaps of we got heaps of people. Um, the other thing is the Seven Eleven on the corner of Beecroft Road and Carlingford. That is a great place to get a slushy. Um, and I got to say, if you are up for it, uh, Midson Road. 
driving down Midson Road as fast as you can and hitting those speed bumps. Um, that is... <laughs> See if you can that, flip your car. <laughs> that, is, that is some joy. That is some joy right there. Uh, look, there's lo- I mean, there's so many things you could do in Epping. Um, but mostly make sure you have your, um, your train ticket topped up with enough credit to get out of Epping. <laughs> After a tracks or... A, you, where's, your, where's your one club? You've got one roll of the dice. You're going to the RSL or you're going to the tracks. Where are you going? You want to go to the RSL. You forget RSL. tracks. Yeah, yeah. Tracks. yeah. For tracks, tracks is too, too noisy, dirty, uh, under appealing. Uh, the RSL. At least you got those sweet, sweet poker machines and the seafood basket. And back in my day, the RSL had a like a, a fake mini, co- a fake food court with lots of different kinds of cuisines, and it was a real, it was oh, a real, it was, a real, man. It was like a, a real big deal. Buffet. Yeah, our yeah. leagues club had that in Newcastle West, and it was like this. Yeah, it was all the same. You know, it's all this coming from the same big pot out the back, but they just put it. You know, this is the Asian one, this is the Indian, the same shit on rice. But you just felt like Shit. you had choice. Fuck the best. Yeah. That rules. I, th- I think the library is underrated. I think the library in Epping's underrated. I spent a little time there as kids. Um, but uh, yeah, the other thing that's underrated is the Vinnies. There's a St. Vincent de Paul there. Oh, it's, yes. a, it's quite a large St. Vincent de Paul, and you can always find some treasures there for sure. Beautiful. Love a rifle through. It's yeah. got it and all, guys. And it's got it all, guys. It's got it all. Yeah. And the final question, Dan, when all is said and done, your writing career and comedy career has gone to the heights (laughs) of success. Joe Keeper has hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. Uh, When all is said and done, would you move back and settle down in Epping? Would I? Yes. Look, um... If I ran for politics and I needed to live near the office, uh, I, would, I definitely would. <laughs> I definitely would move to Epping. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, I'm also used to people stabbing me in the back, so I'd happily move to Epping. It'd be a place to grow up, <laughs> a good place to bring up the kids, to build yeah. resilience, to build resilience. Perfect answer. Dan, Perfect thank you so stuff. much for coming on the podcast. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah, please listen to my podcast, arationalfear.com. It's a weekly spin around the news and a drill down on climate change. We, um, we make funny sketches and jokes about the news and we have great, great guests. Um, over the last few months, we've had like Ross Noble, Adam Hills, Alice Fraser, um, Julia Zamiro. We're starting a spin-off show with Julia Zamiro, which is great. Oh, great. Um, cool. we just, we, if you love climate change, we have a monthly spin-off climate show called The Greatest Moral Podcast of Our Generation, where we speak to climate leaders like... Mike Kennan Brooks and uh, and Kevin Rudd and um, and this month we spoke to a bloke called Saul Griffith who's an Aussie Aussie guy who was Joe Biden's um, climate change advisor and he is super inspirational and super clever he's an absolute mega brain on energy so um, if you like funny stuff political stuff and climate stuff listen to arationalfear.com Great. Right. And support Dan's uh, patrons and pods. I think you've got a uh, you've got a joke Let's have a look. Stuff. I haven't uh, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen what's going on with the, with the Indiegogo today. Let me have a quick look at it. Oh yeah, we're up to one hundred twenty two thousand wow. dollars. That's pretty good. So we um uh, we've got this I this great plan of just putting up a billboard in Glasgow to shame the government on their on their climate change policies. Um, and I put it up on on Indiegogo on Monday, uh, asking people for twelve thousand dollars, and I blew through twelve thousand dollars in two and a half hours. Uh, and wow. so it, it just kept going. And when it hit like thirty thousand, I'm like, well. We'll see. We'll see how far we can go. So I changed it to one million dollars, and I'm going to. Uh, I won't get one million dollars, but uh, that's just the, the goal as a joke goal. Um, but with that money, we're going to spend uh, money during the election to make climate 
comedy about the government and their, their lack of climate action. Um, and it's really exciting. It means I get to hire really smart, funny people to make um, comedy about climate in in and use data science to attack certain politicians who who may, be, who may lose their seat. So it's very exciting. Cool. Um, so jump oh, on board cool. and um, uh, go to rationalfear.com for more details on that one. Awesome. Go that. support all that. That's so and, great. Um, and uh, thanks, everybody. Rate and review us, like always. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, tell your mates. You all know. the good stuff. We've got a couple of uh, great guests coming up as well. And, yeah, hopefully we should be back in the studio. I don't know the plan. Yeah, I think it's a couple of soon. weeks. I think you you guys, uh, Dan, I don't know. if you, You've been doing a lot of stuff over Zoom, right? But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it'd be good to go do a live show again, right? Yeah, we totally, I mean, we totally changed our, the way we do our, we used to record at FBI Radio in Sydney back in March, two years ago, um, and then we stopped, and we just made everything online, and to be honest, I don't think we're going to go back, yeah. because it means you can get anyone anywhere, yeah. and we just, yeah, and we, just, yeah. and we do handy. now, so um, we get the best names now, because everyone's, everyone can do the do the talking from home. So totally. that's exactly that's exactly what we did. We had Anthony Scaramucci on our uh, uh, American on our American <laughs> show for the election uh, last year with Sweet. Dave Anthony uh, from the Dollop and Francesca Fiorentini from AJ Plus. So like we had this awesome. huge. So we can get anyone. So why would you even bother? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. It's a good point. Hey, Let's stay on Zoom forever, FBI boys. Yeah, <laughs> but we will be doing live shows. So live we shows we love a live show. We do live shows on stage. Um, Yes. Um, and we can't wait. We've got we've got a few live shows that have, we've pushed back um, a lot over the last uh, six months. We've had two shows in Melbourne cancelled, a big show at the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism cancelled. Um, so we're looking to get him back on stage and doing those shows. Cool, cool. cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, okay. thanks again for coming on. And thanks again, uh, buddy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will catch see you guys you next, next week. week. See you later. See you and can week. I say what a privilege it is to be on your podcast and to do this podcast from Bondi, where I can safely say I haven't been stabbed in the back. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks Dan. Bye-bye.